I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Falling in love is the best feeling in the world. You see stars, you feel giddy, but sometimes that makes you do crazy things. And sometimes that means murder. Just because a story starts out with Once Upon a Time doesn't mean it ends happily ever after. Welcome to Crazy in Love, a production of KT Studios and iHeartRadio. Today's guests are true crime producer Chris Graves, joined by Anjanette Levy. Anjanette is a journalist with 15 years of experience as a crime and court reporter. She is currently a host and correspondent for the Law and Crime Network. You can find her on Twitter at Anjanette5 and Instagram at Anjanette. Episode 18, The Case of the Dentist, The Spurn Lover, and The Hitman. Kendra Hatcher was born on February 3rd, 1980 in Springfield, Illinois. She grew up in the tiny Mayberry-esque town of Pleasant Plains, Illinois, where her mother ran a quilt shop. Kendra was beautiful inside and out. She loved life, had an infectious laugh, and was popular. She was a straight-A student in the classroom, and Kendra also excelled at sports, where she was the captain of her cheerleading squad and her volleyball team. Being kind and generous was at the core of who Kendra was. While still in high school, she taught Bible studies to underprivileged youth, as well as went on mission trips abroad to build churches. But her biggest dream was to become a pediatric dentist. Here's Chris. 
Kendra was this lovely young woman. She's a volunteer and just uh, effervescent personality. I mean, she grows up in this tiny little town. From your research, what kind of place was Pleasant Plains to grow up in? Pleasant Plains sounds like just this idyllic place to grow up in. Kendra Hatcher, you know, she came from a nice family. She was just a, a nice woman. When I was reading up about it, I was really surprised to find out that there was less than a thousand people in that town. I mean, that's really small. 802 as of the 2010 census, you know, incredibly small. So you have to imagine it's a community where everyone knows everyone. Despite how beautiful Pleasant Plains sounds, Kendra also had a need for adventure and travel. I mean, she was going to Central America to build churches with people. That speaks to me to someone who wants to see the world on top of the, that, that's outside of that tiny town. I think so. And you can only imagine that growing up in a small town and you're in high school and, and you see there's more to the world out there and you want to explore. For college, she decides to move away to Indiana. She goes to the DePaul University. She majored in Spanish, minored in biochemistry. And then after she graduated, she enrolled at the University of Kentucky College of Dentistry. Continuing her love of helping those less fortunate, Kendra would spend spring breaks volunteering with Habitat for Humanity. She also gave free dental work to children in need. Though not everything was perfect. Kendra married her college sweetheart in 2004, but it hadn't worked out. By the time she graduated with her degree in pediatric dentistry in 2010, Kendra was 30 years old and single. She was ready for a fresh start and moved to Dallas, Texas, excited to give Big City Living a go. By 2015, Kendra was 35 and thriving in Dallas. She loved the youthful energy of the city and she lived in a trendy part of town and enjoyed working at Smile Zone. The only thing missing was someone to share it with. Kendra found herself checking out profiles on Tinder one night in May. Someone caught her eye, and so she swiped right. On May 24, 2015, Kendra went on her first date with 38-year-old Ricky Paniagua. Here's Chris. Ricky had some similarities with Kendra as well. He grew up in rural Northern California, so it was probably not the biggest town he grew up in. But he also grew up in a, in a single wide trailer, so he probably didn't come from too much wealth. Despite those humble beginnings, he went to Stanford and then did his internship at the University of Massachusetts. And then in 2011, moved to Dallas. And he too was getting over a divorce when he met Kendra. You know, so you've got these two people who meet and have so much in common. When Ricky moved to Dallas, it was to complete the last step of his medical training, which was to do a dermatology residency. So it was a very specialized residency at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center. And all of the patients and when people talk about him, they described him as having bedside manners second to none. So he was really good at it. So Kendra works at the Smile Zone. She's working as a pediatric dentist, uh, living her dream. And she'd actually moved into this apartment complex. It was called Gables Park 17. And it's a really awesome place. I mean, it has a saltwater pool. It has a gourmet coffee bar, a, a cyber lounge, 24-hour concierge, so um, and a fitness studio. So this is a really swanky place. And she's basically living her best life. 
Kendra and Ricky really hit it off. And even after their first date, things seemed to move really quickly. They both loved to travel. They went to Denver and they went to San Francisco and they were really inseparable. And one of Kendra's nieces actually came to visit her that summer. And she described Kendra and Ricky as always cuddling. And it really seemed like they'd found each other's missing piece, kind of like they were soulmates. And one of the trips that they took was actually to Northern California. Kendra met Ricky's parents there. And that's always a clue of just how serious things are getting. Not only that, Kendra and Ricky were planning to travel to Pleasant Plains in October for the the town fall festival for Ricky to meet Kendra's parents. It's getting really serious when you introduce the boyfriend to the parents. And this happened uh, three months after they started dating. And that was right after they'd met on Tinder. Kendra and Ricky's relationship had moved fast. And by late August 2015, Kendra was telling her friend she thought Ricky was the one. It felt like wedding bells were in her future. Both Kendra and Ricky loved to travel, and they'd already taken several trips to California, where Ricky was from. By Labor Day, the pair planned to leave the country and take a romantic trip to Cancun, Mexico. Very sadly, Kendra would never make that trip. The night before they were slated to leave, on September 2nd, Kendra had driven into her building's gated parking garage and parked. As she got out of her car, a stranger with a gun walked up. Kendra screamed. Her assailant shot her in the head, and Kendra died instantly. A fellow resident of her building had just come down the elevator to the parking garage and heard both Kendra's screams and the pop of the gunshots. He then saw a black SUV peel out of the parking garage. He called 911. The witness was only 16 years old. Let's take a listen to the 911 call. Someone just got shot in the parking lot of uh, the Game of Park 17 in the P1. 17 on the first floor? Yes, the P1, like parking one, like in the garage. Can you tell where she was shot at? Uh, I think in the neck. I'm not sure, but I saw I saw a black security key right out. And when I passed in the garage, they had like these masks on and they took it off. Could you tell if there were men or women in the car? Uh, it was, uh, it was uh, I think, a man. I'm like, I'm pretty sure a man. Like, he was like a... Did he look like he was outside of his side? He was white. He was white. He had a zip-up hoodie on. He had a what on, sir? A zip-up hoodie. A hoodie. With like a... A hoodie? Yeah. It was a hoodie. It was black. Because I don't know, all I heard was screaming and then a loud pop. And then I saw her laying on the floor, and it was like red, like blood coming out of her neck. And her phone's on the floor, her car door was open. I don't know what happened. Well, did you see what color her car was? Uh, it was a, what color was the car? It was silver. It was a Chevy, I think. It was a silver Chevy. She was there. Like, it, it, the, her car is parked. Her car is parked. She mixed up her car. The door, the door was open, and she was laying on the ground next to her door. Like, I remember it, like, physically. Imagine that, 16, and he sees that in this building that's supposed to be the, one of the securest buildings for young people to live in. Yeah. I've probably listened to hundreds of 911 calls over the years. And to listen to a young person, a, a teenager, call 911, and to have to hear something like that and then walk up and see a, a woman shot in the head, um, especially in a place that it is supposed to be so safe and an exclusive community, it's... Um, I mean, it's just really horrifying. 
I'm startled by how composed he actually remains. I think that he had to be in shock. I mean, something kicks in and adrenaline or something kicks in and you're just relaying what, you know, what you have just seen and you just need to get it out. And there's probably something that comes from within him too, where he wants to, he knows, you know, he's a good person. He knows what he has seen and witnessed. He understands the gravity of it. Sometimes there's a lot of really good information in these 911 calls. This one was pretty detailed. So any information they might go through and the detective may listen to this several times. It's a priceless clue. There may be something that's corroborated by a piece of video, something that he says, or, you know, they see a particular car pull out or he sees the car pull out and then they find it on the video. You know, it's, one thing can often lead to another in these cases. And then he becomes a key witness at that point. Most definitely. When Dallas Police Department's homicide detective, Eric Barnes, arrived on the scene of Kendra's murder, he had a mystery on his hands. At first glance, it had looked like a robbery gone wrong. Kendra had been shot twice in the back of her head at close range and her purse was missing. Could the answer be as simple as a robbery or had someone wanted her dead? Here's Anjanette. We have a woman who's dead and been shot in the head, and her purse is missing, her camera is missing. And they talk to the teenage boy who called 911, and he tells the police that he thought the person was driving a black Jeep Cherokee and that it was maybe a white man, but he couldn't tell because the windows were tinted. And so Detective Barnes goes in search of surveillance footage. This is a really nice apartment complex. So you've got to believe they have surveillance cameras. And so he goes and finds this from the parking garage. Um, and to him, the driver looked like she could be a Hispanic woman. And Detective Barnes goes and talks to Ricky Panagiagua, who is Kendra's boyfriend. Ricky was brought to Detective Barnes. He told the detective that he'd been waiting at Kendra's apartment earlier that evening while she was coming home. Um, I, I believe they had been texting uh, while she was at work and then on her, like, she must have texted, hey, I'm on my way home. And uh, while he was waiting, he'd gotten hungry. So he left the building to go get some tacos. And all of this happened while he was out having his tacos. And he comes back to basically the Gables Park 17 being a crime scene, right? So he encounters officers. He asks what happened. He tells them that he knows Kendra because he's her boyfriend. So they bring them to Detective Barnes for questioning. They were leaving on a trip from Mexico the next morning. So he's there at the building waiting for her because they're probably going to sleep at her place to go to the airport. Detective Barnes then, when he meets him, meets Ricky, he notes just how distraught Ricky is. Um, and that he's being very cooperative with the police, telling him everything he knows. Yeah, and right now, at this point in the investigation, Detective Barnes is really at square one. He doesn't really have any idea of why Kendra Hatcher is dead, why anybody would kill her. And so he didn't really have much to go on. So he does what a lot of cops do. Uh, sometimes cops will hold evidence close to the vest, but this time he decides, you know what, I've got nothing here. So he releases the surveillance footage uh, to the public. He puts it out in the news. He's hoping somebody recognizes the SUV and bingo, somebody sees it. It's a local mechanic. He owns the Jeep Cherokee and he's shocked. He can't believe he's seeing his SUV 
on the news and he calls the police on September 4th. This is two days later. And this mechanic tells Detective Barnes that on September 2nd, two days before, uh, he had a friend named Brenda Delgado and she was with her friend Crystal Cortez and they had actually brought a BMW in to be fixed. So he loaned her his Jeep and this mechanic tells Barnes that he didn't have any idea how his Jeep wound up in a garage speeding away from the scene of a crime, a murder no less. And so Detective Barnes talks to the mechanic, he calls Ricky and Ricky told him that Brenda Delgado was his ex-girlfriend, but they were just friends now. And Ricky also mentioned that for a moment when he watched the surveillance video of the Jeep, he actually thought the driver looked a little bit like Brenda and he wondered if it could be her. So it was a really shocking moment, not only for Ricky, but the detective too. It's insane, but it's also like, it's real life. This is actually happening, you know, and this poor mechanic sees his, his SUV in this crime scene. Ricky hears the name of his ex-girlfriend. She's 31, Brenda Delgado, and she's born in Mexico. So she's a Mexican citizen, but her parents immigrated to the U.S. Uh, when Brenda was little. And so she grew up in a lower income neighborhood of Dallas called Pleasant Grove. And so she's a bit ambitious. She excelled at school herself. She dreamed of going to medical school, but unfortunately, you know, her parents couldn't afford to send her there. So she spent some time working at dental offices and then decided to go to dental hygiene school at a place called Sanford Brown College. Brenda definitely had aspirations and dreams. When she met Ricky, it was 2012. He took her to a Jennifer Lopez concert for their first date. And, and things moved really fast. And they had moved in together just after about three months. And eventually, Ricky uh, gave her a promise ring. Brenda thought they were getting married. And then everything was over. You know, he told her one day that they had to move on. This relationship was just not going to be working for him. It was about three years into it and they broke up and um, Ricky actually considered Brenda a really good friend. And he just couldn't imagine that she would have had anything to do with killing Kendra. He, he couldn't, he couldn't believe that because he felt like she was such a good person and she even offered to bring over food for him and, and do anything she could uh, to be of help after Kendra was murdered. Yeah, I mean, I think they even talked that night, didn't they? He texted or called her and told her what had happened. You don't do that with someone you don't think is a good friend. No, you don't. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a moment. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. The only logical thing that Detective Barnes can do next is talk to Brenda Delgado. So he brings her in for questioning and she swears she she doesn't know Kendra Hatcher or that she was Ricky's new girlfriend. And she also throws her friend Crystal Cortez under the bus and she tells Detective Barnes that she had no idea how the Jeep Cherokee wound up in Kendra's garage that night. And she told Barnes that it was actually Crystal and not her that borrowed the mechanic's Jeep and that she'd only known Crystal for about a month. And she gave Detective Barnes a receipt for an airtight alibi. She said she was at Chili's having drinks with a classmate uh, when Kendra was murdered. Uh, here, here it is. Here's the proof. But uh, Dallas PD had actually tracked down Crystal and brought her in for questioning. And, you know, this is a woman who's 23 years old. Uh, she doesn't have a lot of money. She's a single mom and lives with her grandmother. And she was making like $11 an hour working as a receptionist. So uh, Detective Barnes had interviewed Brenda and then bounced between the two rooms. You know, this is like something you see on television shows. You know, uh, you go to suspect one and then get their story. And then you go into suspect two and you say, well, suspect one told me this and blah, blah, blah. And they play the two off of each other when they don't even know uh, what the other is saying. And so... Crystal's really nervous and she goes through several versions of, of what's going on in the parking garage and what happened in there. And Detective Barnes was obviously able to knock her off her game and she just breaks down and she tells him that Brenda hired her and this guy named Lamar to rob Kendra, but she didn't know who Lamar was and uh, or that he was going to shoot Kendra. And so Crystal's arrested. She's charged with capital murder. And before Crystal's taken to the county jail, she actually gave investigators a description of Lamar. And she told them a crucial piece of information that he drove a blue 
Sebring. So she provides kind of like another big key to this whole thing. I mean, this must be a detective's dream, right? He's got two suspects in two separate rooms and he can bounce uh, between the two. He probably knows he's got the right people here. It's just having to break them both down to try to figure it all out. Brenda obviously tried to think this through the best she could. She comes up with a Chili's receipt, you know, (laughs) that's my airtight alibi was at Chili's. But it really shows you how manipulative Brenda is because Brenda had actually courted Crystal through this old roommate of hers. She had met her through her because the roommate had brought Crystal over to let her little boy go swimming in the pool. And then she starts preying on this woman. She realizes that this is somebody I can bring into my life and I can groom her to do this for me. Brenda's got some issues, I think. She's a pretty manipulative person to be able to cajole Crystal into this. And Crystal basically later says she had a little boy to take care of. She did this for 600 bucks. So as Crystal's trying to keep all of these stories straight, she she tells like a bunch of different things you know she tells all these different versions she she told detective barnes she was looking for a place to park that night and that's why she was in the garage and she wanted to go to this mexican restaurant nearby and and then she said she had had her six-year-old little boy with her and wanted to find a park to take him to and was looking for a parking spot for that and and then she actually told him that uh, there was a man that she didn't know called lamar who had carjacked her And he had held a gun to her and forced her to go into the parking garage and uh, so he could rob Kendra. So she's kind of grasping at straws here. She's coming up with all these different stories. And you see that in these cases sometimes where people are lying at first and then the truth slowly starts to bleed out. You know, Lamar is introduced into the story and, and then that's when finally, you know, Crystal just can't do it anymore. She admits that Brenda hired her and Lamar to go to the garage and rob Kendra. But she says that she didn't know that Lamar was going to actually shoot Kendra. She thought he he was just going to rob her. And so she didn't really put up a fight about driving away because Lamar was armed. So she didn't know what would what would happen if she said she wouldn't drive him away. Even if she drove in there for Lamar to just rob Kendra, it's still a crime. I do wonder what Barnes thinks is going on now. I mean, this is, he's got these two women in these two rooms and they're telling all kinds of wild stories, right? And yet he's got this poor woman, Kendra. Why would anyone want her dead? Detective Barnes had started to get a picture of why Kendra Hatcher had been killed. And it involved Ricky's jealous ex-girlfriend. Back in Brenda Delgado's interview room, he tested his theory. Here's a clip of Detective Barnes trying to get Brenda to show emotion and crack. Do you really expect for me or for anybody else to believe that this girl is dating this guy that you're still in love with? It's probably going to marry this guy that you're still in love with. Do you expect the world to believe that? You had nothing to do with this. I think you didn't have anything at all. Even though you made an arrangement for this young lady to get in this vehicle. You set that up. You set that up. You set this plan in motion. It starts because you make this phone call. Everything is started by you. And I can prove that through phone records. I can prove that through their testimonies. I'm not asking you what she did. Because I know what she did. And I'm going to prove what she did. I'm asking you why. 
because that is the single most important thing. I can't understand why somebody would kill someone else. I've never killed anybody. But I have had my heart broken. And I know what it feels like. There's not a person in this world that hasn't gone through that kind of pain. Now, I can't tell you what was going through your head. This moment for you is important for you to tell the why. Because people are going to know. Think about the people that are close to you. Think about the people that are important to you. They are going to want to know why you were caught up in this situation. But if you let Crystal tell it, it's going to come out totally different. Because Crystal is here for her baby right now. She's not here for you. She came down here because she didn't know what you were going to say about her. But she's got a very strong description of how she ended up in your friend's car. This guy that grew up with you, that you knew very well. And how she ended up in that garage that, that belongs to this young lady that's dating your ex-boyfriend that you still talk to all the time. People will put this together very fast. That's why I'm asking you, why? No, I'm telling you, I, I didn't do anything. I had no hope to find You have plenty of motive. You want me to explain to you what motive is? Because you may not know the definition of motive. Motive is what drives something. Sometimes it's hate. Sometimes it's love. Sometimes it's greed. In this situation, I think it was hate. I think you hated the fact that you weren't good enough. That's the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. You weren't good enough for Ricky. It is very hard to swallow. For you to be able to look in the mirror and say, what is it that she has that I don't have? And it hurts. I mean, I don't have any feelings, like like you're saying. I really don't have any. Like, I didn't know even know who the girl was. I had no idea. That's not true. This is just somebody who obviously is deeply disturbed. And so he's trying to get her to, you know, he's trying to say, I, I feel your pain. I, I, I've been, I've been there, girlfriend, you know, that kind of thing. And um, it doesn't work. It, it doesn't work. You would think that after all of this, maybe he would be able to get through to her and get her to just admit, yeah, I was so in love with him, but she, she doesn't, she doesn't budge an inch. So it's, it's really kind of disturbing in a way. It, it shows kind of a lack of uh, feeling, kind of like only she's only feeling things for her, for herself, not for anyone else. In that clip, we we also heard a little bit of her basically saying she didn't know who Kendra was. How is that possible if she remains such good friends with Ricky, and Ricky's telling her on the night that Kendra died, and she's offering to bring food that she didn't know who this person was? She knows exactly who Kendra is. I think she thought she was smart enough to outsmart the police. So one of those things in her head was, if I say I don't know this person, they can't connect me to her. Detective Barnes really, he tries his best, trying to get Brenda to spill the beans, to, to give herself up. But she stuck to her story. He doesn't have a confession from her. He doesn't have any you know, hard evidence. He's got another co-conspirator basically implicating her. She's got this Chili's receipt with her airtight alibi. I say that in air quotes. And so he has to let her go. But he knows that Brenda's basically the mastermind here. He, he knows that she's responsible for what happened to Kendra, but he has to build a case and he knows that. A couple of days after Detective Barnes interviewed Brenda Delgado and Crystal Cortez, Investigators had found a number for the man Crystal had called Lamar. Crystal had texted with this person quite a bit in the days leading up to Kendra Hatcher's murder. 
Investigators called the FBI in to help them track down Lamar, and the FBI discovered that the man's name wasn't, in fact, Lamar. The person they were looking for was named Christopher Love. He was a 31-year-old petty criminal and small-time drug dealer. Christopher had a rap sheet going back to his teenage years. The FBI quickly located Christopher's phone pinging from a Dallas apartment complex. A blue Sebring sat in the parking lot. Dallas PD staked out the car and soon a man matching the description Crystal Cortez had given investigators came out to the blue Sebring. Investigators brought Christopher to Detective Barnes for questioning and executed search warrants for his blue Sebring and his apartment. Here's Ann Jeanette. The Lifetime movie script keeps unraveling and writing itself here. The cops bring Christopher Lovin, and he's pretty cool. He's been through this drill before. And so Detective Barnes has Christopher in this interrogation room for hours, and Christopher just remains calm. and He doesn't give Detective Barnes anything. The investigators, though, are going over the Blue Sebring with a fine-tooth comb. Uh, they have search warrants. They don't find anything. And then they bring in a canine. And the canine dog sniffs around the vehicle and actually smells gunpowder near the ashtray in the center console. So they take apart the console and the dashboard, and lo and behold, they find this 40 caliber semi-automatic Smith & Wesson, and it's buried behind the glove box. And so Barnes tells Christopher Love that they found the Smith & Wesson in the car, and Christopher starts to talk, and he, he knows he's caught. And he tells Detective Barnes that Brenda hired him. She had told him she had ties to a Mexican cartel and could get him a mix of money and drugs to bump up his drug dealing operation if he'd just go and rob Kendra. And Detective Barnes arrested Christopher Love and charged him with capital murder. What's interesting is with the cops, it was a bit of a big stroke of luck with the canine unit. So the car's at the impound unit where they're going over it with a fine tooth comb. And at the same time, there was a canine unit and his handler, the handler was giving a, a, um, a demonstration to other police officers. So the canine unit wasn't brought in specifically for this. He happened to be at the same place as the car that they were going over. And when the investigators saw the canine unit there, they approached him and asked if he would have the dog sniff the car. Just a, like a happenstance kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, but that seems to be what this case is about. Right, definitely. It's just a matter of days after Kendra Hatcher is murdered. Detective Barnes, he's already got the getaway driver in custody, the hitman's in custody, but he doesn't have Brenda Delgado, and he knows that she is responsible for this, that she orchestrated the whole thing. So he goes looking for her. He wants to bring her back in, wants to take another run at her to see if he can knock her off her story. And it had been about two days since he had interviewed Brenda, and she took off. She'd gotten on a bus. She went south and crossed the border into Mexico uh, where she had family living. So it's another kind of plot twist where the young girl from Mexico who came to America then flees to Mexico after the, the big murder. It also is just one of those moments for, for the detective. For, you know, he had her in his hands and then he had no ability to keep her in custody and this, you know, if she's got extended family there, she could probably disappear pretty easily in, in Mexico. Or at least she thinks she can disappear really easily. You know, who, who knows? You know, Mexico's 
a big place. And so, you know, a lot of people think they'll flee to Mexico and nobody will ever see them again. Detective Barnes has decided to dig a little more into that relationship between Ricky and Brenda. And of course, he has to keep building a case because it's all circumstantial with Brenda. So the more he can dig up and the more proof, the better the case is while they're trying to figure out how to get Brenda back, right, to the U.S. So he finds out that in June of 2013, Brenda found out she was pregnant, but she wound up aborting the baby after talking to Ricky. In early 2014, Ricky gave Brenda a promise ring. I think we mentioned that earlier. So at some point, Ricky too probably had thought it was going to go to the next level. And about a month after giving Brenda the promise ring, that's when he had a change of heart. So something happened in that month that made Ricky ask Brenda to, to break up and ask her to move out. It sounds to me like Brenda wasn't expecting that. I don't think Brenda was expecting the breakup at all. I mean, she aborted her baby for this guy, which kind of makes me wonder if they were going to get married, why they would go that route anyway. She put three years of her life into this and she had an abortion. She she had the promise ring. And then just one day it's over. And I think she probably was just devastated and it probably just unearth some really unhealthy stuff going on with her not you know in in her mind um and she's she's going to start stalking him and she wants to get him back and you know she's acting like they're friends and i'm sure she thought oh you know even if he starts dating somebody he'll he'll eventually come back to me i'll just be the you know the good friend or whatever and they had lived together and ricky and brenda had shared a wireless you know cell phone plan and he may have asked her to move, but he left her on the cell phone plant. That's a lot for someone. And I think she went over the deep end. Let's stop here for another break. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God. We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. 
experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with the Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, the Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Ricky Paniagua has no clue that Brenda has started stalking him after they broke up. She could track him. She knew how to get into his texts and his emails. And she would just start showing up. She was randomly showing up on a hike that he was taking at a coffee shop, a salsa class. And the whole time, she's just acting like she's too, totally cool with the two of them being friends. And it seemed to work. I mean, her just kind of being wherever he was paid off for her because in November of 2014, she surprisingly took the same salsa class that Ricky signed up for. And uh, they really started to hit it off again and they started dating. But a few months later, you know, February 15th, Ricky had lost interest again and he broke up with her and she's just so obsessed with him. In June of 2015, Ricky emailed Brenda to tell her he was seeing someone new and it was going really well. All the while, Brenda was seeing his text to Kendra and pictures that Ricky and Kendra would post on social media. Detective Barnes would learn from several friends and family members of Brenda's that by the summer of 2015, Brenda was so obsessed with Ricky and Kendra, it was all she would talk about to them. Brenda went so far as asking some of her friends if they, quote, knew anyone who would hurt someone. Brenda's plans to do something about Kendra Hatcher escalated when in late August of 2015, Ricky told Brenda that he was going to remove her from a cell phone plan on August 31st. Ricky also told her he had gotten a job in Northern California and that he was moving there in October. Detective Barnes had a pretty clear motive for why Brenda Delgado had wanted Kendra dead. Just seven weeks after Kendra Hatcher was killed in November of 2015, Brenda Delgado, who was still hiding out in Mexico, was formally indicted on capital murder charges. After months of appealing to Brenda Delgado's family to help get her back on U.S. soil with no luck, Dallas PD turned to the FBI for help. On April 6, 2016, Brenda Delgado became only the ninth woman to have been put on the FBI's 10 most wanted fugitive list. The FBI held a press conference. Kendra Hatcher's family was there, overcome with emotion. Let's hear a little of the FBI's announcement. Delgado's addition to the list underscores the violent and calculated nature of the crime she's accused of committing. 
It's April 8th, 2016. It's just two days after the FBI announced that Brenda Delgado was on the 10 most wanted fugitives list, and they enlisted the help of Mexican law enforcement, and they find Brenda in the city of Torreon, Mexico. She was taken into custody without incident, but there was a hurdle to getting Brenda back into the U.S. Mexico constitutionally abolished the death penalty in 2005, and because Brenda Delgado was born in Mexico, she was considered a citizen. So Mexican authorities would not extradite Brenda if she could be sentenced to death. So the prosecutor in Brenda Delgado's case actually dropped the death penalty for Brenda despite her facing capital murder charges, and Mexico then extradited her back to the U.S. You know, that just must have been a pretty tough decision for the prosecutor. You either give up the death penalty and, and get her back into the U.S., or or you risk her going away and, you know, maybe fleeing forever. So I'm sure it wasn't a pleasant conversation if Kendra's family supported you know, a death penalty and death sentence in this case. But I think they had to take what they could get. Knowing he had a mainly circumstantial evidence case against Brenda Delgado, the Dallas prosecutor turned to Crystal Cortez. Crystal agreed to a plea deal. She would testify in both Brenda's trial and Christopher Love's in exchange for the death penalty being removed from her case. The prosecutor tried Christopher Love's case first on October 25, 2018. With the damning evidence of the gun found in his car and Crystal Cortez's testimony, the jury found him guilty of capital murder and he was sentenced to death by lethal injection on October 31, 2018. Christopher is serving his time on death row at the Allen B. Polunsky Unit, a notoriously harsh correctional facility near Livingston, Texas. Brenda Delgado went on trial on June 3, 2019. When Crystal Cortez took the stand to testify against Brenda, it was the first time most people heard the actual details of the revenge murder plot that Brenda had set into motion to kill Kendra. Here are some excerpts from Crystal's testimony during Brenda's trial. At some point in time, was there a discussion about, about this situation, what she wanted to have done? Yes. What was the discussion? She wanted to get rid of Kendra Hatcher. And why did she want to get rid of Kendra Hatcher? Because she was envious of her. Did she ask for any help or had, what, what was your role in this? She did ask for help. She asked if I knew anybody who could take care of it. That's how I became a play member in it. And did you at, at some point in time start help planning this, this event? Yes, I did. How often do you think you and Brenda Delgado had discussions about, uh, about doing something in this Hatcher? Almost every day. I go and pick up Christopher Love in the Jeep. And where do y'all go? We go back to Kendra's place of job. We park across the street at the Salvation Army, and we wait for her to leave. As soon as she leaves, we follow her, but we lose her in traffic. So we beat her to the apartment complex where she stayed, and we waited for somebody to come in. And when we did, we followed the vehicle into the gate. The part where Kendra normally parked was packed, so we had to park on the opposite side of the gate. And who's with you at this time? Christopher Love. And where's Christopher Love in the car? In the back seat. Now, does he have the gun with him? Yes. What are you wearing? I am wearing a hoodie with um, a Day of the Dead mask and ribs on it. It's a black hoodie. Uh, and what is Christopher Love wearing? He's wearing jeans and a black t-shirt. <clears throat> 
And uh, what is he doing with the gun and the bullets and all that? In the back He's the cleaning the bullets and the clip and the gun. Cleaning them? Yes. For what reason? So that he would not leave fingerprints on them. And eventually what <coughs> happens? Um, Miss Kendra comes in and she parks Caddy Corner to where we park. And Christopher Love gets the, off the vehicle through the driver's side in the back. And he exits the vehicle, closes the vehicle, and he um, approaches Kendra. And I didn't see him kill her, but I heard the shots fired. I backed out, and when I backed out, he ran into the Jeep with uh, Kendra's belongings. He left with, his, with, with the gun. Yes. Uh, he's wearing the gloves. Yes. When he comes back, he's got a purse, a camera. Oh, and the gun. And the gun. Yes. Okay. The purse, the camera, and the gun, why does he have those items? Because Brenda wanted it to make it look like a robbery gone bad. Crystal did her end of the deal. She's pretty descriptive of everything that happened with her and Brenda. And I think she's very guilty of having taken part in this and being willing to be part of a murder. But she's also a, a little bit of a victim of being manipulated. She's a 23-year-old single mom who needs money. You know, she was desperate. $600, she wanted that money to help take care of her son. She's living with her grandmother, so it's incredibly sad. You know, when she was asked later on why she chose to take the plea and testify against both Christopher and Brenda, it's because she'd gotten a visit from her mother, came to visit her and told her she was disappointed. And she realized she had really gone off the rails and needed to make up for it. So Crystal came very clean on trial. I think that anybody who's feeling like this about a man or a woman should really seek out some professional help because this is a whole nother level of being scorned and jilted. This is beyond that. So it never ceases to amaze me how horrible or how terribly, I should say, human beings can treat one another over things that are just really not that important. It's just a, a disturbing case, that's for sure. And, and, and ultimately, so sad for Kendra Hatcher's family. A woman is dead, and three people are now in prison, including the mother of a six-year-old boy. I think people need to think a little more thoughtfully about things before they act. Kendra Hatcher's family felt her loss deeply, and there will now always be a missing piece in their family puzzle. Several members of Kendra's family gave emotional victim impact statements after Brenda was found guilty. Here's a portion of what Kendra's sister, Ashley Turner, had to say. I've had almost four years to think about what I would say to you when I finally saw your disgusting face. And here I am with a notebook of notes that I've made and all I can think about are my two children at home who ask me every single day why they can't call the reaction. My son wanted to be here so bad. He was eight when you had my sister executed. My five-year-old is her goddaughter and I'm pregnant with our third that will never get to meet Kendra. Because of you, because of your evil, because of your envy, as they so perfectly put it. No matter how envious you were of any human being, it does not give you the right 
to destroy lives, many lives, your own family's lives, our lives, Kendra's lives, my children's lives. Who the hell do you think you are, Brenda? You will go down in history as one of the most hated women in Dallas, possibly in America, and soon you'll be forgotten, but Kendra's legacy won't, because we'll make sure that it's not. You can't even look at me. After only a five-day trial and deliberating for just 18 minutes, the jury found Brenda Delgado guilty of capital murder and sentenced her to life in prison with no possibility of parole. Brenda is currently serving her time at William P. Hobby Unit in Marlin, Texas. Crystal Cortez is serving her 35-year sentence at Christian Melton Crane Unit in Gatesville, Texas. She has a parole eligibility date of 2033. Shameless plug. If you're enjoying Crazy in Love, leave us a review. To view our recent documentary, Murdered and Missing in Montana, you'll find it streaming now on Peacock. Follow us on Instagram at KT underscore studios. Crazy in Love is produced by Stephanie Lidecker, Jeff Shane, Chris Graves, and me, Courtney Armstrong. Editing and sound design by Jeff Twa. Crazy in Love is a production of iHeartRadio and KT Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Stay safe, lovers. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.